0: Let's take off, baby Let's just drive, honey Into the night sky To the sunset shine Into the day
1: Let's go Travel land. Let's go Travel land. Let's go
2: travel This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. It's bike time, and if you're a beginner or serious bicyclist, there's an event for you hosted by the League of Michigan Bicyclists. Michigan is known for its production of apples, and Blake's Orchards and Cider Mill has been operating as a U-Pick orchard for years for apples... And more. The M1 Concourse in Pontiac is hosting two big events for car lovers this year, and you're not going to want to miss them. And the Great Lake Shipwreck Society has discovered another ship, the Atlanta. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at Michigan.org.
0: Let's go traveling.
2: Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan, and it's great to be back with you again this week as we get to talk about all the uh, really cool things that you can do this time of year around Pure Michigan, all the really neat places you can go to. And you're going to want to do some of that travel on your bicycle. I know I love getting out on my bike, my street bike at this time of the year, and going to various places. It's a great way to see things from a different perspective. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting in your car and driving around, but when you're in that bike, it's easier just to kind of pull off here and there, check something out, get back on your wheels, and take off. And luckily, it's a great state to bike in. So let's find out more about that now by bringing in Neil Glesbrook. He is from the League of Michigan Bicyclists great thing about it neil is that uh, you know this being such a great state to bike in we have so many places that we can go to but there are a lot of events we can enjoy as well because you guys offer some really cool events for bicyclists before we find out about that tell us about the league of michigan bicyclists what are you guys all about
3: well the league is the advocacy arm that helps cyclists have a safer environment to cycle in here in the state of Michigan. Uh, the league envisions a state where bicycling makes life better for everyone, serves as an everyday option for more people to commute, get around, and have fun on roads and trails, and connects us to the natural world and each other.
2: Well, I'm glad you guys were around because, you know, you can have the best place to bike, but... Uh... Sometimes uh it can still be a bit dangerous out there cuz we have so many of these streets that you you know you bike on the side of the street itself. Not a lot of trails, you know, off the road. Not as many as I'd like. I bet you're you're feeling the same way.
3: Absolutely. There has been um great development in our trail network here in the state of Michigan. Um the, we are becoming one of the top states as far as bicycle trails in the country, and there's a big movement to continue that growth here over the next number of years. No, let's so hope that it, happens. It's an exciting times. Yeah,
2: really is. Well, it's it's cool that you guys are offering uh, some some events that people can get out to out there for. Uh, you know, are these events mostly designed for people who are you know, kind of close to pro professional bicyclist, or are they just for just anybody?
3: Oh, absolutely not. That's one thing we uh, pride ourselves on. Our events are for everyone. Um, They're the, multi-day bike tours, and they occur in different places all over the state. So there's different day ranges. Some have longer distances. Some are a little more challenging. Some are a little easier. Some of the events are hotel-based. Some are camping. So there's kind of a wide variant between the offerings we put on.
2: Yeah, I'm really happy you said some are hotel-based because uh, (laughs) I have gotten to that age where I don't want to necessarily be on my knees in a tent after biking all day. So uh, that's uh, that's a cool thing. So tell us about the events themselves. Um, You have four of them. Uh, When do they start? And when do they happen?
3: Absolutely. So we have four events this year. Uh, Sunrise Adventure, which occurs in Alpena, June 17th through June 19th. That is the hotel-based tour. That's the one if you want to come out, just have some routes predetermined um, and support along those routes and hang out in the beautiful town of Alpena and patronize their restaurants and venues great event over Father's Day weekend there. There's some other events that are going on concurrently in the town. makes it a great kind of family weekend event. Um, next one up on our schedule is Mup, which is our UP event. In the uh, part of that traverses through the Hiawatha National Forest. Um, just beautiful scenery up there. go up by pictured rocks. That one starts in Marquette. We're there for a few days, head over to Munising, Chatham, um, back into Marquette, kind of on a a large loop. That is a camping tour. Mm. Um, Next one up on our schedule is Michigander, which we're very excited about this year. We took over that event from Michigan Trails and Greenways Alliance. They've been hosting it for a number of years. This year, we're flipping it on its head a little bit. We're doing a five-day event, and we're doing that on the Great Lake-to-Lake Trail Route 1. Oh, cool. starts in South Haven and ending in Port Huron. Yeah. We're going to traverse that entire trail system. That one, I truly feel, because it's downstate, it's on kind of a closed trail system. That is the event I feel is truly for everyone and easily accessible.
2: Yeah, and South South Uh, Haven is such a bike-friendly town. Um, You're going to really feel that when you're there.
3: The final one is Shoreline, and that's kind of been our signature event. That one this year will be August 6th through August 13th, and that occurs from Montague up to Mackinac. Oh, wow! And we got kind of go Montague, Ludington, Frankfurt, Traverse City, Boyne City this year, and then up into Mackinac. How many days so that is that? One,
2: that ra- uh, that uh, route? That,
3: that route is seven days, primarily wow. road. You're riding a lot along the different lakeshore portions, kind of sneak by Torch Lake for a minute, just some some beautiful scenery to ride along.
2: Sounds like it. The uh, cool thing is you have all these events and you can find itineraries that you can also ride on your own at the uh, the big uh, website for a League of Michigan Bicyclists. It's lmb.org. Thanks to Neil Glesbrook for being with us today and we're going to go on the farm next here on Travel Michigan where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. One of the things I love to do at any time of the year is visit farms. I like uh, just kind of checking out farms. It's it's kind of cool to see how they change throughout the year. Doesn't matter what type of farm they are either. Uh, in this case, we're going to go to an orchard and a cider mill. To find out what's happening there at Blake's Orchard and Cider Mill. And we're going to talk to Chelsea Cox. She is the director of marketing at Blake's Orchard and Cider Mill. Welcome to the program, Chelsea.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
2: So first, we need to find out where is Blake's located?
1: We are in Armada, Michigan, which is about 45 minutes east of Flint and an hour north of Detroit. So our neighboring city, Romeo, uh, might be more recognized, but Armada's got all the good apples.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad I, I asked you, too, because I would have mispronounced Armada. <laughs> so...
1: We always say, don't make it more classy yeah. than it is. It's <laughs> Armada, and we we love that we're from the country.
2: Yeah, well, that's a cool. Well, I have been to Blake's. Very nice place. I mean, really nice. Big place, too, right?
1: Yeah, what started out with only 100 acres back in 1946 has now grown to almost 1,000 acres of um, land full of, you know, events, and orchard, of course, but we grow a lot more than apples around here.
2: Yeah, and you are—you're a U pick operation, aren't you?
1: Yeah, uh, Gerald Blake in the '40s—he he claimed that we were the first U pick uh, orchard in Michigan. Huh. So, beginning early June, um, we'll open U pick strawberries to the public, which is always a huge hit. Crossing our fingers for a great crop this year, and then after strawberries, it rolls into just a full summer and fall of a variety of vegetables, peppers, pumpkins in the fall, you name it, we've got a little bit of everything, including lavender.
2: Is that is that typical at a, what I was thinking of is really mostly an, an apple uh, orchard to have such a variety of uh, products that, that, that you grow there?
1: You know, I, do, I would say it's probably less common to see the diversity of crops, but um, I, I think the reason we're able to offer it is because it didn't happen overnight. It started with apples, and then we planted some cherry trees, and then we slowly evolved to adding the strawberries, cucumbers, and then, like I mentioned, the newest endeavor for us has been our lavender field.
2: Well, when you're a farmer, you know, it's not like things ever stop. You're constantly, you know, in part of the cycle of growth and harvest and such. So here we are, uh, early, early May, uh, what is the, the cycle for your activity right now? Are you are you kind of trimming the trees, or, or yeah. what's happening now?
1: Gosh, that is so true. It really never stops around here. We, uh, we're pressing apples that we harvested in the fall still. Wow. We have a nice big cooler that keeps them fresh. It's called atmospheric lock storage, actually. So we're pressing apples that we picked four or five months ago. Um, but on the farm side, we're in the middle of pruning our trees, um, you know, Apple trees they, they they'll grow wild up to 30 feet if you don't tame them and oh, keep yeah. them under control. Yeah. So the team's outside doing a lot of pruning and just cleaning up the orchard to prepare.
2: Yeah I live in a forested area and you can tell there was a settlement there at one time because there are those kind of they now look wild but apple trees that are kind of in the middle of the forest and, and they're huge. I don't think they really have have much production of apples anymore but it's kind of cool to know that happened so yeah. what are the, what are the types of apples that you grow?
1: You know, we grow 42 different varieties of apples, and what started out with a lot of culinary apples for people to come out and pick um, to bake pies with, kind of, um, it's changed over the years. We still have great culinary apples, but we offer dessert apples as well. Um, Apple's great for cider making, for the hard cider side, so um, the the evolution of the diversity and varieties of apples has definitely changed, but we offer a little bit of, something for everyone. If you're looking to pick an apple for your kid's lunchbox, we've got it. If you're looking to bake a, a cobbler or a pie, we've got that too.
2: Hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm trying to lose weight after COVID and my COVID-30. Uh, it's amazing how how quick and easy it was to, to gain weight. So one of the ways I'm trying to lose weight is when I get hungry, I will now eat Michigan-grown apples. And, and I've been surprised to see that they're so fresh, even at this time of the year. So, you're mentioning that you can keep them fresh in your in your storage area as well um what is how does that work
1: yeah it's very interesting technology it keeps the apples really cold which of course keeps them fresher longer and um it's not letting a lot of uh oxygen in and out of the building so the apples don't um i guess spoil. to keep it simple as quickly so the apples are still fresh and ripe and ready for pressing and uh we, we try to keep our sweet cider blend down to a five apple variety, which gives you a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of tartness, a little bit of acidity and tannin. And um, it took us 75 years to really perfect that mm. blend, but it's why our cider is award winning. Oh, that's nice.
2: Now, you mentioned uh, you have some uh, different harvest uh, during, during the year and different events. So um, tell us about some of your events. I know you have a 5K run. Is it actually at, at the orchard itself?
1: Yes, and it is so beautiful. This is our sixth annual Chasing El Chavo 5K Run and Walk. It takes place at our, our Maida Center Road location. Um, and it's, it's really unique because the, the sights and the setting, May and the orchard, it's just beautiful. It's a dirt road run, um, so you just get to enjoy the fresh air. And everyone at the end gets either a ticket to enjoy a hard cider or a non-alcoholic sweet cider and a donut as your reward. Hmm. So what's better than cider and donuts uh, to treat yourself after a hard workout? Oh,
2: It does sound, sound great. Now, you also mentioned uh, that you are uh, you know, kind of looking forward to a good harvest for strawberries. Do you have an event for the strawberry season as well?
1: Yes and no. So we're going to do a big strawberry kickoff weekend, but we won't know the exact date on that yet until we know when the strawberries are going to be at peak ripeness. Hmm. And last year, because of the early heat, it um, it's, the, the strawberries were available earlier than we expected. If we have a cold spring, it could push back. Um, our strawberry season a full weekend. So we've got big strawberry plans here, um, but the date is to be determined. But strawberry season is truly the kickoff to you pick here on the farm, and it's such a great activity to do with the family. You take a wagon ride out uh, to the field, and uh, you get to pick them fresh.
2: How neat. Well, the thing is, about many of our orchards these days, you don't have to necessarily go there for a specific event because – you folks have really understood how to make uh, agriculture fun for a family visit. And I know you have kind of like a, a fun land there, don't you?
1: We, yes, we do. And we've actually coined the phrase, or we're borrowing the phrase, agritainment, because that's truly what it is. It's agriculture and entertainment all in one. So when you're out here, not only can you go, you know, Pick apples and strawberries and habaneros, but you can enjoy the fun land where we have a petting farm with animals. We have an apple seed camp now where the kids, while mom and dad are at work, can learn educational, um, have an educational farm experience um, right here on the property. So, um, along with fun land, we've also got a tasting room. So, once you're done, you know, you worked hard picking those strawberries, you can come inside for a cold beverage and have a nice lunch or dinner with your family. So, it truly it's a full day uh, experience out here now.
2: And do I understand you have like a a sunflower area and a lavender area as well?
1: That's right. And gosh, that's been such a huge success. Um, The lavender festival is always the weekend uh, after Fourth of July. So it's mid-July. And then sunflowers aren't ready till around Labor Day weekend. So we love for everybody to come out for both. Uh, The Lavender Festival draws almost 20,000 people in a weekend, so it's become such a great attraction. And same with the Sunflower Festival. This will be its second year, but for those not going up north or escaping to their cabins for Labor Day weekend, they can come spend it outside. Amongst the uh, the sunflowers.
2: Well, Chelsea, we're going to run out of time to talk about your hard ciders. So we're going to have to have you come back because I know you're going to have what, what you're calling like the summer of hard ciders. And that sounds like it's going to be a great deal of fun. But the thing is, when you go to uh, Blake's Orchards and Cider Mill, make sure to ask about the hard, hard ciders as well. But then kind of explore and find salsa and jams and apple butter and a whole line of sweets in their general store. And make sure to check out that that fun land as well. Talk about a cool thing for the kids and a way for the kids to understand where food comes from. It's not just from the store. People have to work to make that happen, and uh, we should appreciate our farmers more than we do. So thank you so much, Chelsea Cox, for being with us today from Blake's Orchard and Cider Mill. The website is blakesfarms.com. Stick around. We're going to talk to the folks from the M1 concourse next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Michigan is known for a lot of things. We're known, of course, as the state uh, that has the big Mitten Lower Peninsula and then that uh, wonderful, beautiful nature uh, wonderland of the Upper Peninsula. We're known as a state with 11,000 inland lakes and the touches four of the five Great Lakes. So we're, you know, we're mostly known for nature, for water. But we have this other side of us as well this manufacturing side this the side of michigan that really came out of originally making stoves you probably didn't know that did you and of course in most recent years making cars and we're proud of that manufacturing heritage all the things that um, that we make and enjoy and uh, we're also proud of the fact that we have a lot of places where you can drive those cars and you can see those cars different events different places and we're going to go to one of those places that hosts special events just for you and is host of um i guess how do i describe it It, i guess it's a place where you're going to see a whole bunch of really cool cars So to tell us more about that, let's bring in Tim McGrain. He is the CEO of the M1 Concourse uh, in Pontiac. Tim, it's great to have you back on the program.
0: Dave, always a pleasure. Thank you.
2: So first, I know I did a horrible job explaining what the M1 Concourse is. Tell us what M1 Concourse is, where you are and what you do.
0: So M1 Concourse, we're located on Woodward Avenue, and we are the north part of Woodward Avenue, just on south part of the city of Pontiac. So uh, where Woodward Avenue and uh, South Boulevard intersect. We sit on an an 87-acre parcel of land, um, and it's been that parcel of land, that size, the streets we're bounded by since the early 1900s. In fact, just recently, I was actually looking for some sort of historical information, and I came across um, a series of insurance maps from the early 1900s, like hmm. 1910, 1915. And it shows the original, uh, the original company that was here was called the Rapid Motor Vehicle Company. Wow! Um, and the sh- Rapid Street, which is to the north side of our property, was named after Rapid Motor Company. Rapid Motor Company was inquired by the gentlemen that were putting together General Motors. Hmm. And it was the predecessor of, of what became um, General Motors, GMC. Wow. Um, and actually, there is a, a a map out there. It's called the Sandboard Insurance Map, and it lists this place as the General Motors Truck Company, <laughs> manufacturers of gasoline and electric trucks.
3: Oh, how cool back is that! Nineteen
0: ten. So, so we've got a lot of lot of um, automotive history, motor motor vehicle manufacturing history on this property. Uh, again, as I said, we're eighty-seven acres. We have two hundred and fifty privately owned garage condos uh, that sit around uh, the track that we have here. And we have a one and a half mile driving circuit. It's not a racetrack. We don't do wheel to wheel racing here, um, but it's 1.5 miles. It's 11 turns and it's classified as a high performance driving experience track um, or a driving development track.
2: So do so, you do you among the things that you you do, do you offer any kind of driving experiences for the general public?
0: We we don't, in the sense that the, the you know, so those high performance driving experience days that that are out there on mm-hmm. a lot of tracks or companies. Now there are some companies that do rent the track out mm-hmm. that offer those. There's one in particular, a company called Extreme Experience, which has been coming here for a, a number of years and do a, a really good job. Um, and we are exploring expanding that uh, with with other companies. But
2: most uh, of the so time, we, that's used by your members.
0: That's exactly it. So it's it's a membership that the track is. Membership used, and the members are uh, from our garage owner community. Uh, We don't have outside members. But the track is also possible to be used by outside companies that either rent just the track, whether it's for uh, vehicle testing, photo shoots. Um, In some instances, they just rent it out for an employee appreciation day uh, because we have a a fleet of performance cars that they're able to um, use as well. Um, and we have a brand-new event center. Well, it's not brand-new. It was just it officially opened October of last year.
2: Anything happened in the last two years is (laughs) brand-new. That's (laughs) the way it is these
0: days.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I was really happy to be there at your ribbon-cutting. I was so impressed because, you know, you mentioned the track. That is a beautiful track. That alone would be worthwhile being there. But then with your new event center, what a beautiful place.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, we're, we're very pleased. Obviously, architecturally, it's stunning on the outside. It's got a very distinctive design to it. Um, the building is, is designed uh, that, uh, that uh, it's not quite a half and half split, but, but ultimately we're going to have a public access restaurant on property, mm. uh, which will be part of the building. Obviously, the restaurant world you know, uh, suffered um, probably more than most businesses oh, out yeah. there um, with the pandemic, and it's taking a little bit longer to come back. Uh, So we're using the space now as an extension of our event center. So we have a conference hall um, that that can be used, and it's right on pit lane. So it was designed such that, you know, in the automotive world, somebody could take a car and and have it on display in the convention hall. And then after the presentation, it can go straight out onto the track via pit lane or or conversely come straight in. In fact, Just recently, we were very fortunate to be the the venue that the county of Oakland had their annual state of the county uh, address. Um, and Dave Corter drove one of the new uh, electric uh, GM vehicles uh, from pit lane into the hall to to kick off his state oh, neat. And the county presentation.
2: Neat. Well, it's it's such a it's hard to describe how nice of a place this is, but you know, with with that history, now just kind of come forward and realize this is a very modern, state of the art facility for events, and really happy to have it there in Pontiac. Now, now you host special events there. Uh, from time to time. And I know you have a couple of really big events coming up later on this year.
0: We do. So the two signature events that we host, uh, the first one comes up in August. Traditionally, it's the third weekend in August, and it happens during what, what's known as Dream Cruise Weekend. So we do it on Friday. Uh, this year it will be August 19th, and it's called Woodward Dream Show, so M1's Woodward Dream Show. And what we do here is is provide an opportunity for for owners of of all manner of sort of street rods, Custom cars, Hot Rods, uh, American classics to come and showcase their cars here um, over the course of the day. And it, it's we, we start at 10 o'clock in the morning. We go through to 10 at night because we've got evening entertainments. Um, and it does provide a venue. First of all, it's a large venue. We can mm-hmm. accommodate. Um, actually, we can actually accommodate several hundred cars in total. Uh, but we'll we'll have a few hundred cars here. And because of where we are, we're light on Woodward Avenue, and and we permit. of the owners during most of the day to, if they want to go out and cruise, it gives them the opportunity to share their cars with the the visiting public, um, and then also participate um, if they want to cruise on on Friday. Nice. Uh, We will have, this particular year, we are featuring um, 90 years of the 1932 Model B 4 the iconic Deuce. The Deuce, yeah. Which is probably, yeah, so in in all its variations, um, and also both both sort of, you know, in the hot rod world, whether it's the Roadster, a three-window, a five-window, or, window, or, five window, or mm. any of the others. But we're also go- going to get some of the the stock examples. So there are actually, I think, 14 different body styles that Ford made in '32? Wow. So we're going to showcase 32 uh, historically significant deuces inside the, uh, the event center, and then have a total of 90, or maybe even more, but certainly 90 to represent 90 years. Wow. And then uh, this year's also 100 years of the Lincoln brand, um, and in the Lincoln world, mm. Uh, that's sort of the hot rod customizers of, of the late 30s, the Lincoln Zephyrs, uh, an iconic car that's been customized, and also the mid 60s Continentals in the sort of the resto mod world. Mm. Um, and then because we're located in the city of Pontiac, we always try and find a Pontiac mm. model that we can play to, and this year's 55 years of the Firebird. Oh, wow.
2: A lot of anniversaries there now. Do you do you you know purchase tickets in advance? How how do people get to the show?
0: They can. So tickets are available now. They went on uh, sale at the beginning of the month. So uh, our main website m1concourse dot has a place for both, uh, people to buy tickets to both our Woodward Dream Show um, and our next uh, signature event, uh, the first weekend in October, American Speed Festival.
2: Yeah, tell us about that as well. American Speed Festival September yeah. twenty nine through October yeah. two.
0: So we started that last year. Um, and, and it's not—it's um, it, a showcase of of, of, of automotive performance, uh, past, present, and future, in the sense that uh, we we put together six or seven classes of cars uh, to be able to be showcased for two of the three days, or two, so Friday and Saturday, on track. So they either go out to do timed runs or just demonstration runs. Mm-hmm. So last year our feature mark was the Chaparral, the iconic sixties. Sports cars mm. and uh, four of the Chaparrals came out of the museum in Texas, and three of them ran on the track at the same time in formation, mm. um, which which is, hasn't been done for the longest time. Probably wow. the last time more than one of those cars went out was back in two thousand five. So we have a vintage Indy class, uh, we have a vintage in, endurance sports car class, uh, we have a, a, a supercar class. Um, this year, we're focusing on 60 years of the Shelby brand, and, and so and Shelby America. That, for be, oh,
2: that's, that, I love those cars. And you have an award ceremony coming up as well on that Sunday as part of the event.
0: Uh, we do. So the, the awards are Friday and Saturday on track day. Sunday is a big car show. We call it Speed and Style Expo. So that's open to the cars that uh, were on track the two previous days, but also open to other classes for people to enter. So being speed and style, it could be cars from what's basically classified as sort of post-war, pre-war, post-war classic cars. Could be American 50s and 60s cars anything contemporary.
2: Well, for car lovers, the place to be is the M1 Concourse on those two big events, uh, August uh, 19th and then uh, September 29th through October 2nd. For tickets and for more information, go to the website M1Concourse.com. And our thanks to Tim McGrain from the M1 Concourse for being with us today. Those are great events, and that is a spectacular place you have to check out. Speaking of things to check out, you need to learn about a new shipwreck they've just found. We're gonna tell you about that next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. It's Travel Michigan, I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. You know, I kinda teased going into the break that uh, if you are into anything to do with shipwrecks, you're going to want to stick around for this interview. Well, first off, you're in a great place because, unfortunately, we have a lot of shipwrecks here in the Great Lakes area. I mean, a lot of them, thousands of them. And over the years, uh, there have been discoveries popping up here and there. So they keep on finding these ships. Some of them uh, have been down there for a long, long time. So we're going to talk to... A fellow who is part of a really uh, cool organization that does exactly this. Among the things that they do, they find these shipwrecks and bring their stories back. So let's bring in Corey Atkins. He is the communications director for the Great Lakes Shipwreck Society. Corey, it's great to have you on the program.
4: Hi Dave, nice talking to you. Thanks well, for having me.
2: It's great to have you. And, You know, you've been uh, involved with the Shipwreck Society for a long time, and um, I'm just interested to find out. Uh, you know, how, how did how did the society come together? I know it's been around for a while, um, and, and you're located up at Whitefish Point, right?
4: Yes, our, our our main complex is up at Whitefish Point. We do have a, a building in the Sioux; it's our office building, but when people think of uh, the Shipwreck Society, it's at Whitefish Point. Yes,
2: the main visitation yeah. area. Yeah, so yeah, um, that's
4: where our lighthouse is and and such. So
2: yeah, and, and the society came about, and it's it's called the society and not just the museum because you're a group a group of people who are um, enthusiasts uh, and admirers of all things maritime and um uh, you you like to make sure that that people understand our heritage in that area, right?
4: Yes, it was it started back in the seventies with a group of divers that uh, was just going out into whitefish Bay and, and starting to find these wrecks and what they were finding was pretty uh, pretty emotional hmm. um when you you know when you see a wreck that hasn't been looked at in you know a hundred years or so um they were finding this stuff and, and wanted to tell the story. So back then, uh, whitefish point was basically just a place for people to go and, uh, you know, drive on the beach and, <laughs> and, and vandalize the place. So, yeah. um, we, uh, uh the, 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 that group back then, uh, got a, um, got an agreement with the government to make a museum up there. And from there, uh, we've, Turned into a world-class organization, so
2: it's really um, a special place. I mean, I'm just so glad you saved it because what that lighthouse I think was put into place by Abraham Lincoln. You know, you think about that. Uh, there's yeah. some real history there, just in the facility yeah. itself.
4: Yeah, it the, the the first lighthouse that was there dates back to 1849. Uh, um, so yeah, there's uh, the 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 amount of history that's in that area. If you just Walk along the beach, and and uh, you know that your imagination take over. Um, it can go pretty far with all the stories that have happened up there.
2: Yeah. So the society is probably best known for being part in the exploration and finding of a very famous the Edmund Fitzgerald, fire, the Edmund <laughs> Fitzgerald. Yeah. And now you can you can actually see some of the um, uh, the pieces of that find at the museum, right?
4: Yes. Um, so in 1995, uh, we were part of a, a. We actually led the 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 the, the uh, exploration of the Fitzgerald for the last time anybody could legally go down there. Um, we got permission from uh, all the family members and the Canadian government to to make that dive, and one of the main purposes of that was to cut the bell off of it, so the family members and the world could have a a place to go see the bell. Um, So we do have that housed in our museum up at Whitefish Point.
2: Well, I, I have to tell you, that museum at Whitefish Point has to be one of the finest maritime museums in the country, if not the world. I mean, it's not big. It's a nice, small display. But the people who put that together knew what they were doing. You feel the emotion, as you put it of what the stories um, are all about of, of these ships that went down, some of them long, long ago. As you're walking through that museum, you know, you see the, the displays. You read their stories. It's, it's, it's emotional to me to walk through there.
4: Yeah, I, I like just sitting in the museum sometimes and just watching people because most people come up there to see the Bell of Fitzgerald and to see that exhibit but when they when they start to walk around and see the other exhibits and the other wrecks a lot of people are like I didn't even know that happened yeah, uh, yeah. so even though the Fitzgerald is you know it is a very emotional and important shipwreck it's not the only one out there and it's not the only story that needs to be told um, because there's a lot of people who lost their lives out on the Great Lakes.
2: Absolutely. Well, you've uh, just recently found uh, a ship that's been down there for a while, the Atlanta. I don't even know where you found this. Where was this found?
4: <laughs> so if you if you if you look at the map and you look, uh, uh, find Deer Park and Crisp Point, basically halfway between those two. Um, and if you ever do go up north and you know want to back-roaded a lot. You can go visit uh, uh, Chris Point where there still is a beautiful lighthouse out there and, and Deer Park. is just a nice place to go sit on the beach but basically 20 to 30 miles off of the coast, right in the middle.
2: So that's Lake Same Superior. I, I actually didn't even know which lake it was in, so interesting. Oh, yeah, lake Superior. Well, tell us the story of the Atlanta.
4: Um, it was being uh, towed from from buffalo new york um and it was being it was going to uh it was in tow from a steamship called the wilhelm and they got they got caught in in a may storm so as uh they were steaming along the tow line broke and the atlanta was not under power was an old uh, schooner barge so it didn't have its sails up it doesn't have an engine so it's at the mercy of the lake Mm -hmm. um the Wilhelm couldn't do anything,
2: so it went down. Did it? Did it stay in one piece?
4: Um, what happened was when when the when the tow line broke, it was at the mercy of Lake Superior. Mm. So it drifted towards the Crisp Point Life Saving Station, and during that time, they tra- they were trying to bail the ship out, and it didn't. Uh, they couldn't keep up with the amount of water coming in. So when they they knew the ship was lost they all got off the the vessel and got into a lifeboat and started to row toward shore and that was the last time anybody saw it until we did 131 years later wow and even though the vessel is um it's it's pretty well intact it is broken up a bit yeah so
2: i expect but just the uh the currents and such probably did some real damage to it later. So um, that happened about this time of the year. It was May fourth, eighteen ninety one, and then this far later, you found it. So now, how can people learn more about it, or are you going to have any displays at the museum this year?
4: Probably not for the not for the Atlanta this year. We have some other wrecks uh, sites that we do need to go back and look at. Our director of marine operations, uh, Daryl Ortel, uh, was on fire last year. And he hmm. he found a lot of spots we need to go back to and and, and put our ROV down. So we're gonna have some more, um, you know, some more news coming up. <laughs> we have just got to identify these wrecks and and get the story all, you know, wrapped up for everybody. Uh, if you want to find out more about the Atlanta, you can go on our website, and we have a couple stories up there, including a very interesting letter from a gentleman, uh, his name was Eli Waite, who was one of the two survivors of the Atlanta.
2: Wow, very cool. That website is shipwreckmuseum.com. And our thanks to Corey Atkins for being with us today from the Great Lakes Shipwreck Society. Amazing what you can find in this state. Hey, that's all the time we have for Travel Michigan this week. Went fast. We'll talk to you next week here on Travel Michigan. Where your trip begins at Michigan.org.
0: Let's go traveling,
2: let's go traveling, let's go traveling.